the toxic relationship, the toxic job, like all of these things fell away because you can eat all the broccoli that you want. And that's not going to heal you if you don't look within. Hi there, I'm Kelly Tennant. This is Ceremony Wellness, where we integrate modern healing and ancient wisdom. After spending 13 years in a chronic health battle, I've made it my life's mission to support you on your healing journey. Each week, I gather with the leading voices in health, wellness, and spiritual development for rich conversations to help you heal deeply and create the life you've been longing for. My guests and I educate you on the latest healing remedies and alternatives to the traditional path. I've personally curated this space to elevate your mind, body, and spirit. In my past life, when I was a TV host, I met this amazing woman, and her name is Natalie Valenzuela, and I love her so much. She is a game changer of a human. She stands for integrity, kindness, truth. She is what I like to think of as a magical unicorn on a mission to help women reclaim their energy and own their worth. And she will not shy away from any topic. She is really as real as they come. And in this episode, we get into eating disorders and healing and women bullying each other, orgasms, communication, and our former lives as hosts for the Lakers. Do you like how I just randomly threw in orgasms in that? <laughs> this is a juicy as hell conversation. And I really just never wanted it to end. One of the longest episodes I've ever done. And I'm so excited to share this incredible woman with you. Head to N-A-T-A-L-Y social on Instagram to connect with Natalie and send her some love. This is a good one. By the way, did you see the Elizabeth Holmes thing about how she made... Do you know who I'm talking about? No. The Theranos girl? No. This girl who basically self-made millionaire or multimillionaire or whatever, uh, created this company for blood testing. She was 30. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, like she kept sell- telling her investors that she had this new technology to test blood. Oh, God. Grew very, very quickly. All of it was bullshit. It's kind of like, you know, the fire Festival? Mm-mm. You don't know? Oh my gosh. Oh yes. Okay. I was watching. Was this on like Netflix or something? Yeah. So yeah. fake festival, this guy like really tucked it up. But he is the same personality of this girl where it's like they both lied so much and got investors money to the point where they had to keep lying. They had to keep going and try to like make something happen. Anyway, this girl, Elizabeth Holmes, part of her story is... Uh, she one of the, one of the things that was really weird about her is that she deepened her voice, or she learned how to deepen her voice, so that she could have more influence over people. It's true. Yeah, it works. Yep. Yeah. I so I noticed, as you know, when I was working in sports, well, especially around men, when I would talk to men, my voice would get higher, and I'd be like, "Hi, how are you? Oh my gosh, I'm so sweet." Blah blah blah. And then I'd be with women, and be totally different. And then I don't know, as I've gotten older and. I'm talking about things I care about and I'm just so much more sure of myself. My voice has like slowly gotten deeper. And I notice that when I'm with people that I, I really care about or I'm super close with, my voice is like definitely deeper. And I'm just more grounded. So you care about me? Because your mean, voice guess. is kind of like, this is good to you know. You made me celery juice in the morning. I did. <laughs> it's a real love thing. You're like my, my Arizona love. mama now. Yes. Welcome to B&B. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think of a name. Shoot, I... But welcome. You didn't take his last name. 
That's- I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, wait, balance my life. No, that's what she was before. So I did technically. Legally. Legally. But not on Instagram. So it doesn't count. Not on Instagram <laughs> because I had, I feel like I had built an Instagram, right? But I kind of feel like I had built, you know, my career up to that point in that name. But this is actually very interesting that you asked because it's a long process for a woman to change her name. And I also think it's kind of weird. Like, why do we have to? I did it because eventually when we have kids, I want us all to have the same last name. Totally. And I thought that was more important than me trying to hold on to this piece of identity. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's the name. That's your family name. Yeah. Right? So it's like a big deal. But it's also like very complicated to change your social security, your ID, your credit cards, your life. It's a process. So it's a process that's very slow. And it, you know, I'm in the work. It's in the works. Yeah. It's just a very slow process. And actually, the other thing that's interesting about that is that I'd build my career in TV and radio with that name. But it's actually a perfect transition to use Rodriguez as I step into my new role. Exactly. So it's actually kind of powerful. Yeah. Did you ever watch Friends? Who didn't? Okay, good. I don't know. Some people don't. <laughs> no, I feel like everybody should have watched Friends. We're the same age though. You should have watched <laughs> yeah. Friends. Do you remember when Phoebe married Mike and she wanted to change her <laughs> name? Phalange something? Yeah. No, yeah. it was like... um, What was it? Like... Princess Consuela Banana Hammock. And then he was like, do you even know what a banana hammock is? And then he whispers it in her ears and she was like, oh God. And he was um, crap bag. But wait, they did did this back and forth episode where she also said something about phalange, like naming herself something phalange. Yeah, that was a... Was that a different episode? Yeah. And then when Rachel was on the plane and she wants Rachel to get off the plane, she's like, the phalange is broken. Get off the plane. (laughs) And the lady's like, there's no phalange. (laughs) That's a great show. I don't think there was ever an episode where I did not crack up. Oh my God. I still watch it. That, The Office. Except it's coming off of Netflix, I think. No. Yeah. I think they said Friends is coming off of Netflix. (gasps) Which is sad. But what's the next generation going to do if Nothing. they don't know friends? This is actually sad. Did you ever watch Full House? Yes. Okay. The little girl that I took to work with me today, yeah. bringing my friend to work today. Of course, I didn't realize. So she's telling me she watches Fuller House because it's like the new one. Total I was like, crap. I was like, oh, did you ever watch? Have, do you know what, to, what it's based on? She was like, no. I was like, oh. Did you feel so old? I felt so old and I felt so sad for her. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you not Girl, know? you don't even know about baby Michelle Tanner, <laughs> right? okay? It's like, do you know who? Th-? And she's like, no, I have no idea who that is. Freaking Uncle Jesse. Oh, well, now homegirl is in trouble. Who? The un- Aunt Becky. Oh, yeah. She's in so much trouble. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to USC as well. Yeah. Holla. Hey. So glad to be a Trojan. <laughs> Wait, can we go back? Because I was going to ask you a question about this. Have you ever been so deep in a lie you had to keep lying and you just kept going with it? No. Yeah, me neither. I wonder what that's like. I think that is probably one of the most disgusting feelings ever. I'm imagining. And the reason I say that is because I have lied about stuff. Usually it's more of like white lies because I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Yep. But even then I feel like a horrible person. Mm-hmm. So Do I you have a guilty conscience? Very. Like I have, not normally, no, because mm-hmm. I usually don't act like an a-hole. Yeah. But I have a guilty conscience when I know I do something, even, even if it's an accident, because I never do anything with the bad intention. Mm. I think that's huge, like mm-hmm. to go into something knowing that your intention was pure. Mm-hmm. But even then you could hurt somebody's feelings. Yeah. And in that sense, yeah, I do have very much like a guilty conscience that will keep eating at me unless I apologize. Like usually my conscience will make me make things right. Oh, that's that's yeah. good though. 
are you able to forgive yourself when you apologize? Or oh, yeah. do you keep it with you? No, I'm able to let okay. it go. We were talking last night about clients and dealing with people and people pleasing and not wanting to hurt feelings. I always talk about how I'm a recovering people pleaser. Are you really? Do you think you've really like overcome it or do you find situations where I it comes up? I am overcoming it. Mm-hmm. I have not gone to the other side by any means. I still care what people think about me. But I think leaving sports and men... TV. And, yeah, TV in general, I just was able to sort of let go of that part of my life. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something you've worked through at all? Curl? No. <laughs> I mean, based on the advice I was giving you last night, I'm going to say no. No. And the reason for that is I think... I was just talking to my sisters about this. I think we were raised in a way where you never want to hurt somebody's feelings. And I think that's where the also the conscience thing comes in um, and the not lying. But also our parents wanted us to be such good people, which is a great thing that it almost went to the extreme of we would rather sacrifice ourselves than hurt somebody's feelings or then step on anybody's toes or, you know, even if it's us stepping into our truth. Because then you think, well, what if that means I'm making somebody uncomfortable? Or So that is in essence people pleasing because it's like you're so worried about the other person that are you being authentic? Are you being real with what you feel? How much of that is cultural for you? I'm sure a huge part just because my parents did what they learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think for me, I think it's cultural on my mom's side of the family for sure. Is that the Mexican side? Yeah. yeah. My mom, yeah. My grandmother and my mom, I think, have been people pleasers for so long because I talked about this a few days ago. They They find... My grandmother's passed away now, but find and found so much value and worthiness in the way they took care of other people and made sure everyone was happy around them that they sort of, I think, lost their identity and what their worthiness and value in the world really was. And so that's what I was brought up seeing Mm -hmm. and not not being confrontational. My mom's definitely confrontational, but my grandmother was not. She's like, (laughs) she was a pushover. She got walked all over because she was so sweet and never wanted anything to be wrong. And so I watched that. And so I think that definitely created the mindset I have had throughout my life of like, don't mess up with anything. Just be nice to everyone. Make sure people like you. Right. Don't ruffle feathers. And it's also like you said, you know, it's a, I'll say it's even like a sexist thing because I feel like women, and and this is definitely cultural because I was raised and, you know, there's certain parts of tradition that I accept, but I was raised Whereas the woman you are naturally we're like more nurturing and there's that whole thing and you're raised as a little girl with dolls and you know, boys to trucks and the rougher stuff. And I get that part, whatever. But um, culturally, like I was also raised and I mean, you've seen it here, you're at my house, but you've seen it like where when my husband gets home, I'm like, hey, are you hungry? Let me serve you food mm-hmm. or let me have... And it's very much like, a, I was going to say like a, a subservient thing, but it, I, that's probably the wrong word for mm-hmm. it. But it's kind of like catering to people, right. catering to your partner, catering to your family, mm-hmm. catering to... Um, and in that sense too, it's kind of like you do lose a little bit of your identity because that's who you were trained to be to a certain mm-hmm. extent. And I've had to try to get outside of that. And I even made a post about it on Instagram the other day where... And I don't even have kids yet, but even having a home, managing a home, like my husband, you know, having a dog, which sometimes feels like having a kid. That was hilarious to watch last night. Yeah. It's, you, have to t- you have to constantly train them. They're like toddlers. Oh my you have God. to constantly be like, no, no, no. But <laughs> point being that, you know, 
and now being married and like managing that life and all that and still working outside the home because that wasn't, you know, back in the day, women were homemakers for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I had to, I've had to learn to manage, you know, the self-care. I've had to learn to manage and not forget like, okay, yeah, I'll clean the house, but hey, he can help me clean the house too. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's not, you know, and this is again, going back to the whole cultural thing where when I was growing up, my brother would be washing a dish and my mom would be like, aren't you embarrassed that your brother's washing a dish? Uh, no, he ate on it. He can wash his own dish. She said that. Yeah, yeah. And Interesting. I, yeah, so I'm like, but again, this is what yeah. they knew. This is this was the role that women mm-hmm. were supposed to take. So now, and I've, I've had that conversation with my husband where we're like, you know what? This needs to feel like a partnership. And I... And it is naturally in me to be nurturing and to take care of him. And I love like taking care of him. But at the same time, it's like, well, I need to get my workout in. And if me cleaning or cooking is going to take away from me getting my workout in, well, that's kind of a problem. Boy, bye. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I've had to learn to manage that and Mm. not feel guilty or not feel like a bad wife or not feel like a bad woman for not being able to fit all the roles and do all the things because self-care is so important. Mm. Let's talk about shame. That's, Ooh. that is such a huge aspect of what you're talking about right now and the pressure to be everything. Mm-hmm. And you and I both come from TV backgrounds of being on air, quote unquote, talent. <laughs> I hated when they called <laughs> us that. I that Go word. into the talent dressing room. And I was like, motherfucker, don't call me yeah. talent. Like, I hate I'm not talent. When we used to do, and I still have this now because I, you know, I still have a radio show. When we do events for clients or when we have events on the streets or whatever, people are like, the talent will be Natalie. And I'm like, that's so, it's so weird. And like when I show up and they introduce me to clients, they're like, oh, this is a talent, Natalie. Like what? (laughs) What? I feel pressured to have to like show my talent, like perform like a circus clown or something. Are you going to perform for me now (laughs) on the show? What would you like me to perform? (laughs) Do a little dance, (laughs) baby. Oh, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's hard. I think that, and you're 33 now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm 31. And I, it's so funny to look at the way I react to expectations now versus the way I looked at them growing up even a couple years ago where I wanted to be perfect and I wanted to do everything. And I wanted people to think I had all my shit together and I wanted to be seen as the most successful but also an incredible in a relationship. And yes, I wanted to have kids and do all these things and also look a certain way Mm -hmm. and come across a certain way. And so funny now, I look back at that girl... And I just feel sorry for her because she was living up to such unrealistic expectations. And that girl really thought that she had to do all those things. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, she'd be a complete failure. It makes me so sad. It's also exhausting. So exhausting. Like you there, because it's not realistic, there's no way you can keep up and be the a thousand percent perfect version of all of the roles that you want to fit all the time. So that like mentally, energetically, physically, spiritually exhausting because your soul is what it is and it doesn't need to be or prove or, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, it's just so exhausting that you continuously try to do that. And I, and, and, you know, it's been an issue for me too, where I've had to kind of take a step back. And again, I'm still in the, radio TV world to some degree. And yeah, you have to put that boundary of like, okay, I need to know that I don't need to be anything. 
whether I'm on the screen or at home as a wife, as a, like whatever it is, I don't need to be more than I am. How do you show yourself grace in those moments when you feel that pressure or your gut instinct is to be something? So I'll tell you one of my biggest gut instincts to be something has for the longest amount of time, this has been like my my nemesis forever, <laughs> um, has been with weight and body image. And I feel like the most pressure I've ever felt is to be a certain size or to be thin or to be... And I mean, naturally, I'm a thick girl. I got some curves, okay? So like, I don't know if thin is ever going to happen. Like, yeah. I just don't know if my body type is meant for that. And, I, and now I'm at a point where I was actually looking at my body the other day because I do like body mirror exercises. And I was like looking, I was like, I kind of have like a womanly body and that's okay. Like yeah, I like you do. the curves and I like, you know, but I think that's where I, I have felt the most pressure to like constantly be like, well, I need to lose weight or I need to look this way. And the way that I show myself grace is I, I have to have a conversation with myself. And I think people don't realize, I've posted about this too. I, I think, think people don't realize how often you have to keep your mind in check. Mm-hmm. How often you have to have those conversations with yourself. People think you get to a point where I'm just not going to think negative thoughts. I'm just going to be nice to myself all the time. And because we're human, that may not happen and that's okay. The point is showing yourself grace. And to, like for me, I tell myself, you're okay. Like that is a very common phrase that I say to myself, you're okay. And then I dig deeper where when I have those thoughts, I'm like, why? Why do you need to lose weight? For who? For what purpose? What's the answer that comes up when you ask those things? So usually it's things that make my brain go like, oh, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's usually for something outside myself that, that really does not make sense. And when you start detaching yourself from that thought, it holds less power over you. And then you could kind of breathe a little easier because you're like, oh, then I don't have to. Mm. I don't have to do anything. And I think another thing that I constantly tell myself is, is I remind myself of how much I am beyond my body. Because we put so much emphasis on, I am the meat and bones. But it's like, no, that is just meat and bones. And you are so much more than that. What do you do when you see women that look a certain way and you think, damn, I, I wish I looked like that or I had that? And is that a trigger for you? It's not as much a trigger as it used to be. But I will say, and I'm going to be totally honest and vulnerable, that because of social media, it's very easy, of course, to look at other people's pictures and be like, well, of course, I would like to have a six-pack or toned abs or whatever. And you know, I, and I don't know how, if this has ever happened to you, but there will be times where I'm like, oh, I wonder if like, my husband would like me to have that body, mm-hmm. which is like, that is even more hurtful because now you're creating a thought that your husband, boyfriend, partner probably didn't even have, mm-hmm. but you're hurting yourself by creating a thought for them mm-hmm. <laughs> that they maybe never even thought. And so it's so crazy how we do that to ourselves. But what I do in that moment, um, now it actually doesn't happen as often. And I think it's because I've done so much work. Like I just mentioned a little while ago, doing the mirror work where I look at my, I force myself to look at my body and I don't recommend this for everybody because for some people that might lead to more negativity if you're just picking yourself apart. But I make myself like appreciate what I see in the mirror. I do it naked. I like stand in the mirror, like after I shower or whatever. And I make myself like look at my body and appreciate it for all that it is and like stop criticizing. And this has actually helped me a lot getting over things like stretch marks, like mm-hmm. cellulite. And then 
I also like step up the sexy game. Like I'll cook naked or I'll, and like wait for my husband like that. Or I like purposely will be changing in the morning. And if he's like sitting at the table having breakfast, I'll like purposely walk and get something I didn't need in my underwear so that he's like, and I get his attention. Um, But I do that to kind of build my confidence. Mm. And people think like, well, I'm not confident enough to do it. Well, pretend for a second and Mm -hmm. I guarantee you'll feel more confident after. (laughs) This is such an amazing conversation. I've actually never had this on the show and I've so wanted to talk to someone about this. And so you're perfect for this, obviously. Thank you. We all have cellulite. We all have stretch marks. I don't know about you, but... (laughs) I have cellulite and stretch marks. Girl, I have stretch marks. I have been this tall since I was 12. I grew so fast. I for sure have stretch marks. So I have them on my boobs and I think those were the ones that bothered me the most. Did you have huge boobs before... No, and I don't that's why that's what I don't understand because I have them on my boobs, I have them on my inner thighs. I yeah, think that's I have pretty them much there. the only places that I have I them. I have them on my butt. That's kind of cute though. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> kind of. Uh, like what to say says Cat Williams, you're you're a tiger girl. Oh my Rawr. god, that's so funny. But um it took me a long time to accept them because they came in, I mean, I felt like I was pretty young when I started getting stretch marks on my boobs. And for the longest time, I was like, this is not cute. I felt uncomfortable wearing things that were like super low cut because if my stretch marks started to peek through, I was like, that's not cute. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took me a long time to start to accept that. And even, okay, so the cellulite thing, I started doing CrossFit a while back. And one of the main reasons I started doing CrossFit had to do with insecurity, but it was a very powerful workout or exercise routine to start doing because it built my confidence. But when I started, it was because I went to watch my, at the time, boyfriend, now husband, my boyfriend do a CrossFit competition. And that was my first kind of so experience. Hot. Yes. Oh my gosh. And then he would take off his shirt and I was like, You're yes, like, you lift that let me weight. lick you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty delicious. I'm not going to I mean, lie. your husband's hot. You he did good, hot. girl. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, we won't talk about the cradle robbing aspect of it. That's oh yeah. Whole, He's a, a baby too. Other, that's a whole other topic. Hot for- <laughs> and young. I'm so proud. <laughs> You're so <laughs> And adorable. and adorable. He went and got me a freaking bottle opener for yeah. my wine last night, <laughs> like a champ. This wino needed. <laughs> I know, so cute. Um, so I went to watch. I went to watch this competition, and I saw all the girls in the little booty shorts and the sports bras, and I was like, if that's what's he, what he's going to be around, I need to step up my game. So it's funny because I never felt like the need to compete with them, or like I didn't feel. Like there was a little bit of insecurity, of course, but I never felt like, oh, let me talk crap about them or like throw shade or whatever. It was more like they actually made me level up, which is an interesting way, I guess, to look at it. But anyway, so I immediately started looking up CrossFit and like signed up to a six-week all-women CrossFit program because I was like, well, at least it's less intimidating because it's all women. Like, And that was the best thing ever because I was like, I'm going to wear those little booty shorts, those little CrossFit shorts. Even if I don't, if I still have my cellulite, even if I haven't like, you know, looked the way or get to the body type that I want. So I started doing that. And then it became just a comfort thing because I actually like them. Oh my God. (laughs) And it became a comfort thing and I liked working out in them. And that built my confidence because I was like, you know what? Actually, I really don't care if I have cellulite because first of all, I can't see it from the front. So if you see it, it's because you're standing behind me. And you're welcome. And you're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you're very welcome. And second of all, it was just kind of like CrossFit made me feel strong and see that my body could do a lot more than just look a certain way. 
Um, it made me feel confident, strong. It made me feel like I could do things that I didn't know I could do. So CrossFit is awesome for that reason. But um, and then there was like a whole sense of community and girls like encouraging each other and it was just really cool to see. And so then I kind of forgot about the cellulite and why I even started to begin with and then just kept going, which was awesome. But I kind of made myself get over those issues. I made my like I wore the shorts even if I felt uncomfortable initially. I, you know, never stopped wearing things that I liked wearing. So yeah, I never let it get to that point, but I did feel for a long time insecure about the cellulite and the the stretch marks. And now, because I, as I mentioned, you know, I do this work on myself to accept my body and also realize, okay, you know, we were talking about this last night too, where you have to be real with yourself. I may not never get rid of the stretch marks. So does that mean I'm going to be miserable my entire life? I may never get rid of the cellulite and I have to understand that this is my body. And this is the way my body looks right now. And it may look different later. It may look different after I have kids. That's a whole other story because that kind of freaks me out a little bit right now because I don't know what that's going to be like. But I figure if I can get to the point of accepting my body now, I will be able to get to the point of accepting my body later. Mm -hmm. So something that has come up for me, and I imagine it comes up for every woman at some point, but this idea of getting naked with your partner. and we all have days where we feel like a whale. You know, you're just like, whether you're on your period or you just feel bloated because you had too much rice the night before, like whatever (laughs) it is, like we have days where we just are like, oh my God, no way I'm going to let him or her touch me. And I've been in that spot and I've been in places where I've been a little heavier than I want to be. And so I'm less inclined to feel sexy and to want to have sex. And what I realized with men that I've been with is that they don't notice. And they never care. Ever. Ever. They're like, ooh, vagina. Let's go. Right. And also they think you're like the sexiest thing ever (laughs) in the moment because they're so turned on. It's just like, yeah. So that has been a really important lesson for me because I, I realized that if you own the stretch marks, if you own the cellulite and you just... you feel sexy in your body, you accept the way you look, you are sexier Mm -hmm. and then you're more desirable. And then the sex is so much better. And it's just like this such an interesting thing. And I've never had this conversation with someone before about it. So I'm curious what it's like for you when you don't feel good. You want to know what my sex life is like with my husband? I would love to know. I mean, I'm staying across the hall. I feel like I could figure it out for myself. But we behaved last night just so that you wouldn't hear. Hey, I have earplugs. You guys do what you want, girl. (laughs) Scream as loud as you want. But like, what do you do in those scenarios, and how have you kind of trained your mind to embrace that? So, you know, I, one of the things that came to mind where you're like, you know, when you have too much rice or whatever the night before, how about when you go out to Indian food for dinner? Seriously. And then you come home and you're like, well, there was a lot of spices in that food. Yes. And um, I don't know if some noises might come out of my body as this is happening. Um, oh my God. But I, one thing that I've noticed and that I think that a lot of people haven't noticed is how energetic sex is. First of all, it's an exchange of energy. Right. And then, second of all, if you are energetically not there because in your mind you are, you're low vibration because you're feeling like crap about yourself, it's not going to go well. You're not going to enjoy it. Your partner, 
even subconsciously or whatever, will pick up on that energy. And it's not going to be fun. You're not in alignment at that point energetically. And it's not like a good meeting point for your bodies to collide where that's happening. <laughs> this is getting so good. Like, <laughs> But what I've done personally, because of course that has happened. And there's been times where I've had sex and I've been in that place of not feeling comfortable, not feeling fully there. And he's noticed and he's told me, he's like, hey, I feel like you're not fully there. And I'm glad he has because that lets me know like I can't get it past him if I'm not mentally, physically there, spiritually, whatever, like because I'm over here stuck on my, well, I'm feeling kind of fat today or I'm feeling. And I think the more like playful, the more relaxed you are, because you also tense up. Like when you don't feel good about your body, there's also something that happens where you're trying to protect and mm-hmm. and cover and block things. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you you tense up. And then how are you way. supposed to have an amazing orgasm? Right. You're yeah. supposed to like get into that fem- feminine, soft, yeah. relaxed energy. Mm-hmm. And it's not always easy to do, but you have to be able to control your mind because once your mind takes you there, your energy will follow and your emotions will follow. And then you'll be in a funk while you're getting, you know. <laughs> in a funk while yeah. you're getting fucked. And, and, <laughs> you can cuss. Yeah. It's okay. No, I just feel so like, I'm trying to be proper I give here. like I give like child warnings in shows yeah. like this. Oh, like, good. keep your kids away. Because my girlfriend Paige listens to all my episodes and her kids are like my niece and nephew. Oh, so yeah. I feel like I have to give a disclaimer like, we're no. talking about the sex. Cover your ears, kids. Cover don't your Don't worry. Ears. Mommy and daddy don't do that thing that Auntie Kelly talks that about. That is not how you came into the no, world, though. That stork thing that yes, definitely happened. You were dropped off by a stork. <laughs> so I think the other interesting thing for women like you and I is that we're such go-getters and we are very aggressive and we do what we do and we're boss bitches mm-hmm. to the nth degree. That's how you make it. Yes, especially girl. in our, our former lives. How do you turn that off when you come home to be with your partner and step into that feminine more and allow him to be in control or make decisions or just, yeah, just feel more feminine? <laughs> that is really tough because I think for a long time, and especially just you know before him, I think I've always been very independent and I've always been very used to just getting things done. Like you said, and just if something needs to get done, I do it. I don't wait. I don't. But that's a conversation that him and I had to have recently because I felt like I was... And, and not because he didn't want to, but I think I was just so used to like making decisions and then now having a home together. I think I was still very much in that role of like, if something needs to get fixed, I'm gonna go Home Depot and fix it. Like I wasn't even giving him the opportunity to mm. like, you know, step up. And the thing is that he is the type of person that he's like happy wife, happy life. So if I was gonna go to Home Depot and do it, he was like, okay, like I'll let you do it then. You know, he wasn't gonna fight me on it. But then I realized, you know what? I have to give him the space to be a man. And I am traditional in that sense where I want to feel like the woman. I want to feel taken care of to a certain degree. I want to feel like, like I'm your woman. You know, you, you decide what have is, you know, you're the man of the house. So we had that conversation recently, actually, of like, you know, what needs to happen in order for that to be more of a, of a, the type of partnership that we have where I can just relax into the feminine. And a big part of that is me realizing like, I'm going to be okay if somebody else takes care of me. Like I need to trust. I think what happens is that 
we don't often, you know, trust in other people because we're so used to just doing it for ourselves that it's like, well, if I ease up, like, am I going to reach my goals? Am I going to be okay? Am I going to be safe? Like, there's so many things that happen subconsciously that it's like, well, if I married him, it's for a reason. So I can feel safe and I can relax into the feminine energy and I can, you know, let him be the man. But it's, it is hard to turn off, um, especially like you said, we, can, we come from like the TV world, specifically sports, where it's very male dominated. And you have to hold your own and you have to be a certain way, you know? Uh, so I think I've mentally, this is a word that I've told myself a lot lately because I even feel it in my body where I'm being like very tense. Release is the word that I tell myself a lot now. Where it's like release, release the masculine energy, release the tension in your body, you know, and release means so many things to me. But one of the biggest things is that it allows me to relax and it makes me realize where I'm holding on to that energy too much, where I'm holding on physically too much, just where I'm holding on in anything in life. And it's been very powerful for me to just be like, release. How have you noticed the way your emotions and things that you're holding on to and stress has impacted your physical body and the way you feel daily? Oh my gosh, so much. And I actually think that's a huge reason for like weight gain is that a lot of... And this happens with my clients as well, where I have clients that come to me initially with the thought of losing weight or because they want to lose weight. And a lot of them don't realize, and this is something I had to work on to realize, is that a lot of it is spiritually and, and emotionally. What are you trying to protect yourself from? What are you holding on to? Whether it's like regret, whether it's not forgiving someone, not forgiving yourself, um, protecting yourself from something, not feeling safe. Like we put on weight as a way of like hiding from the world, protecting ourselves, holding on to things. And you kind of have to evaluate that in your life where where does it feel that way? So for me, it's trans- translated physically into that and fatigue because it gets to the point where your spiritual body and your mind are so overwhelmed by everything that you're holding on to. There's only so much space that you have. There's so much only so much bandwidth that you have. And when you keep holding on to things that no longer serve you, it's going to get filled up. You're going to get overwhelmed to where you no longer have room to accept the things that do belong in your life or to bring on anything else, anything new. So you're going to get tired. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to have chronic fatigue and you're not going to know why. Your adrenals are going to get jacked up. Your thyroid's going to get jacked up. It's not always, you know, for me, for the longest time, I was like, I need to search for the perfect diet to heal my gut and to heal my adrenals and to heal my thyroid. And yeah, of course, nutrition is a huge part of it. But so is your spiritual body, your mental body. Like your, there's so many aspects of you that, you know, it translates into physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing you were raised Catholic. Yes. Yeah. Holla. Yeah. Yes, girl. How has your religious or spiritual side evolved as you've gotten older? What did it look like, like before and what does it look like now? So I was, yes, raised Catholic, used to sing in my church choir. Oh. Like that Can you sing? Of, I could hold a note or two. Yeah, girl. You know. So talented. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I realize I've done so many things in my life. You I'm really like, have. Yeah. I'm like, um, I actually have a song that I wrote and recorded. No way. I do. I have a demo. Wait, I want to hear it. Can you play it for me later? Uh, later. <laughs> 
later. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up Catholic. Uh, we kind of steered away from the church a little bit because my sisters who were older than I was at the time, I believe that one of them was 13. The other one was probably 15, had an issue where a priest tried to like molest them. So my mom had taken them to confession and my mom was right outside the door that had stained glass windows. And I remember this because I was playing in the pews. I was, I must've been like seven or five or something. I was playing in the pews and I remember, I didn't know what happened at the time, but I remember my mom standing up and opening the door to the conf- confessional. And the priest was like, no, 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 you can't come in here. And she's like, I, that's my daughter. I can come in here. What she had seen was the shadow, my sister's shadow, get up from the side where you know you do confession mm-hmm. and move over to the priest's side. And she thought that was awkward, which thank God she thought that was awkward and stepped in because what the priest had done was ask my sister to sit on his lap. Wow. And as an authority figure who we were trained to trust and believe and, and respect, of course, my sister was going to do it because she was just like, oh, I don't, I didn't know. He asked me to do it. And I thought that was part of, of what we were supposed to do in there. So luckily she, like he didn't touch her, do anything past that. But immediately, like my parents put in complaints, found out he had done that to one of my other sisters. All that happened was that this priest got trans, like transferred to another church. Of course. Which is ridiculous. But, and that was around the time that everything was blowing up mm. with the church. Anyhow, so we moved away a little bit from the church, but I've always, my family has always been very Catholic. I have an uncle who's a, who's a priest. And I guess like in the hierarchy of it, it's a Monsignor mm-hmm. or something. He's yeah. been a priest for like 40 years. Um, he is in Mexico. And so we've always just been, my grandmother was in church every morning, like that type of thing. And then eventually, as I started to kind of find my own truth in life and really question, you know, is God this man in the sky that like makes you feel bad if you mess up or, you know, what are sins? What are like all these things that make you feel guilt and shame? Um, I started to really evaluate and I did go to a Catholic university, but it was open enough to where I was still exploring. I even took a religions class and just kind of was exploring my own thing. I was Buddhist for a while. I went to Bali, um, not necessarily on a religious exploration, but I learned a lot about spirituality being there. How long were you there? I was there for 12 days. Yeah, yeah it was magical. So good. Have you been? I'm dying to go. Okay. You I think need I want to go next year. It is one of the most like spiritual places, mm-hmm. I believe. And it's it's just, it's beautiful. There's like, you just feel peaceful there. It's, you see people that have very little. And I think this happens in a lot of places. It happens in Mexico too, but people that have very little and are very happy mm-hmm. and are very at peace. And you're just like, we're doing it all wrong in the States. Seriously. Yeah. And I feel like I, with, when I found Buddhism and when I started chanting and doing all this stuff, cause it was um, a specific type of Buddhism. Have you? No, I haven't okay, heard So that. there's a specific chant. And I would chant that and I would even go to meetings and all of this. And it did affect my life in very positive ways. But I think that what I, what I was doing, I was reaching for something mm-hmm. because I deal with anxiety. And so, you know, with racing thoughts and that feeling of being lost, you're looking for something outside yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's even why I went to Bali at the time that I did because it was a whole eat, pray, love thing. Like I'm going to go find myself. When did you go? I went, actually, while well, I was at um, Sportsnet. Oh, okay. I was at, yep. Oh. It was around that time. Okay. And so the interesting thing that I discovered is that you can't go find yourself. Like, <laughs> you are whoa, not in Bali. Revelation, yeah. all that money spent to yeah. find, to realize you can't find yourself. You are you in Bali. You yeah. are you here. You yeah. are you wherever the hell you go. <laughs> Surprise. 
<laughs> and the work that you need to do is still the work that you need to do. And religion is not going to save you. And I do love the idea of having a spiritual practice, whether that be religion, whether that be meditation, whether that be hugging trees, being one with nature, whatever that is for you. Because I think that it does provide something very powerful. It provides like an anchor mm-hmm. for you. And it helps you in those moments where you might feel lost or where you might feel anxiety. And I think it's important to develop what that is for yourself. But I think now I'm at a place where I've pulled all of the positive things from the religions that I've explored. And I kind of feel very much like there is, I I know there is a God. And I know this because, do I have time to go into a story? Hell yeah, girl. (laughs) So when, so I lost my mom two years ago. And two weeks later, I was laid off from work. And at the time, it was one of those moments I was feeling very lost. And so I decided to do something I hadn't done in a while. And I started chanting, a Buddhist chant. And that was the only thing that I could think of at that time that would make me feel calm. And so I started doing it. And not even like, not even a minute into it or two minutes into it, I had this voice in my head that I know for a fact was not my voice. There's no way because I wouldn't have even had that thought. And the voice in my head was, you don't need to pray or chant for things. You are already protected. You're a child of God. And I kid you not, I didn't, I, like I got the chills. And I knew for a fact that that wasn't my thought because I would have never called myself a child of God because for so long I had wondered like, what is God? Is mm-hmm. it some man in the sky? Is it like, what is it? And so for sure, because I didn't even know if he existed or not, I would have never called myself a child of God. But the fact that that was in my head and it was the most certain voice, the most sure voice I had ever heard, it was like, there is a God. Mm. And was it God's voice? I don't know if it was God's voice because I met, I, well, what, what ended up happening from there is that I realized that there is something bigger than us. And the interesting part about it is that at the time I was practicing, I was chanting, which is a Buddhist thing. And in Buddhism, there isn't a God outside of yourself, right? So I thought, how would, he, how would I get this message in a religion that doesn't talk about a God outside of yourself? Which to me says there is something greater than us and it is always there. And it is just whatever vehicle you use to get there. It doesn't matter. It's there waiting for you. And the way that I look at it now is that it is in you. It's in me. It's everywhere. It's like the oneness and in, in everything. It's you know what made the stars in the sky and what made everything and what made you and me. And you can call it God. You can call it higher consciousness. You can call it spirit. But there's something there that is always there. And I don't think it's I don't think it's the God of the way we were raised Catholic where it's like watching you and making sure... Yeah, you're sure. being condemned for everything. Yeah, no. And I don't think there's like a hell or anything like that. I just think that it's a very like protective energy. So speaking of Natalie and all of my favorite people, she will be at Ceremony Wellness Live on October 5th. She'll be joining us along with so many of my favorite people in the whole world that have really impacted my life and taken care of me or uplifted me or given me permission to be more of myself or helped me heal physically, emotionally, 
spiritually, the people in that room on October 5th take you to another place. And I just can't wait to share in that with you because I know how much you're going to love it. I know that you're going to be so excited to be able to ask questions and hug people and just really feel the support of a community that maybe is lacking in your life. I know for me, for so many years, that was a huge problem is that I just did not feel supported or heard or understood. In this room that we have curated for you, you will be so seen, you'll be so loved, and you'll be so held. So head to kellytenant.com slash live and get your tickets. And don't forget to tell a friend and bring her or him with you because this is a can't miss event. And if you're on your healing journey, it's time to take someone else with you. See you there. Someone asked me this the other day, but I said, I don't know that I believe in heaven or hell. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that just because you do something bad, like people that commit suicide are supposedly supposed to go to hell yeah. based on what we were raised by. Or if you don't believe. Yeah. I have a sister who's an atheist. Yeah. If you don't believe, yeah. I'm going to go. Yeah. Same who's as the, my, my brother yep. too. And I know from what you posted about your brother, he's an awesome person. Yeah. My sister's like the kindest soul. Like yeah. there's, how is that possible? Yeah. So my thing is like, I don't know that there's a heaven or hell. I just believe that I also believe in past lives and that we continue Mm. on and reincarnate. So obviously that's different, but I don't know. What do you think happens when you die? So I am terrified of death. Oh, it's it's fine that you ask. Because of your mom or because... No, no, no. I, I, ever since I was a kid, I think it didn't help, obviously. Mm. Yeah. But um, ever since I was a kid, I remember being up at night and having this extreme panic and fear that, I wasn't going to exist. And and there's a very clear difference. It wasn't necessarily that I was going to die. Like it wasn't how I'm going to die. It was like, oh, I'm not going to exist one day. Mm. That my family was not going to exist one day. And it's still something that brings horrible panic to me. Not, I'm, I'm fine right now. Like I'm not going to go into <laughs> I got like, you, girl. <laughs> but I do have these moments and, and my husband has seen it where actually my parents thought I was on drugs once because when I was younger... I was at home, I was showering and the panic really comes out of nowhere. It's very crazy. And this is how powerful your mind is because the moment your mind gets some sort of thought and latches onto it, like it becomes your reality. So in that moment, whatever is happening doesn't matter anymore because my brain is like, you're not going to exist. And that creates so much panic for me that once I was in the shower and I had this moment of, I'm not going to exist, I'm going to die. And there's nothing you could do about it. And that's the thing that freaks me out. So I walked out of the shower naked, wet, left shower on. I'm like pacing up and down the hallway. And my parents are like, what did you take? Oh, wow. What did you take? I'm like, nothing. I'm just good. Like, I'm going to die. And they're like, you're not going to die right now. And I'm like, no, no, no. I know not right now, but it's going to happen and you can't stop it. Like, and they're just like, and that's, that's kind of the, you're not scared. No. Um, I wasn't really scared before. I wasn't really scared before. And then I did ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not scared at all. I, 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 when I did ayahuasca, we haven't talked about this I need this in my life though. I need this in my life. I know. We haven't talked about this. I'll tell you more at dinner, but long story short, I went to hell. I saw the devil. I looked him in the eye and I thought I was going to die. My heart was beating out of my chest. I called over Kristen, one of the facilitators. And I said, look, I know that I'm not dying right now, 
but I need you to like talk me through this because I feel like I'm dying. And she talked me through it. I breathed. I like found myself. It was like this whole thing. But then after the realization I had was like, I'm going to die and it's okay. And if this is how I die tonight, like it's okay. I just like fully surrendered to the concept of death. So I don't have fear around it now. I also believe in reincarnation. So I... I truly believe that my soul is going to live on. And yes, it's sad that I won't be in this, you know, body in this life anymore. But it's I a don't good body, have fear girl. Let me it. tell you, it's a good Thanks. body. <laughs> um, but this is also, I think, partially because I did the past life regression too. And I saw myself in the mm. past, like in the 1700s. And I also saw my future in that. And so I think of like the way my past life regressionist explained it when he was on the show is that the past, the present, and the future are actually all happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so you can actually feel things from other lifetimes and experiences in this life. So sometimes you'll get overwhelmed by an emotion, but it's happening in like a different plane. And so for me, it's almost just this like linear thing where I'm just moving on to the next plane. It's and actually a beautiful way to look at it. It is. And, and like not tragic in the way you experienced it, but my grandmother died 10 years ago and she was my everything. I feel her every day with me. I feel mm-hmm. her all the time. Every time I talk to a healer, she steps forward. She tells me what I need to know. And like we, we groove, you know? And so I know that it's, there is no end. Yeah. So I just feel such a sense of peace around it. And you, do you feel your mom with you? All the time. Yeah. And I have so how does that affect you? So I have conversations with her. I had a healing as well where mm-hmm. my mom stepped up and it was that type of thing where she, the healer asked me like, do you have any questions for her? And I was just like, I want to tell her everything. Mm-hmm. Like, But I feel her all the time. And it, it was even stronger right after she passed where a lot of weird things would happen. And I knew I knew it was her. Like I just knew it was her. Um, I feel her for, I feel her sometimes in the car with me when I'm driving. I feel like there's moments where there was one moment specifically where I almost got hit and I didn't. Mm. And I literally said, thanks mom. Because I, it, my, I was like, I knew it was her. Mm. Like, oof, girl. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel her all the time. But you know, and I mean, you know, because you lost somebody that was very close to you. It's like, I still want to hug her. So I don't think it takes away, like, even though I feel her and I know that it's not like she's gone, I think mentally understanding that the physical part is gone. And I think this has to do with like letting go. It's a very human thing that, you know, we're not able to let go mm-hmm. of things, people, relationships, situations, jobs. It gets hard for humans to let go. We we create attachments, we create you know, meaning and we give meaning to things and relationships and stuff. And I think that obviously it's something to work on, attachments. Do you feel like this is part of why release is such a big word for you though? (sighs) No, I think the release thing is much more of like related to, and you know, it it might be because I feel like everything's always connected even in the slightest, but Mm -hmm. I think release is more of me noticing just physically how much I hold on to in terms of like tension or thoughts that don't serve me or my anxiety. Like release it. Think about what you're saying right now though. Yeah. Tell me girl. 
Tell me, preach it. Tell me. <laughs> it, this is the same thing. It's the same thing. The yeah. tension that you hold, all of the things with all your of mom. All the things, right. It's all in that. All of it. I think that you know what you're doing. You just don't know what you're doing. You yeah. know? You know that that is heavy for you. Absolutely. And you know that there are these things that you're working through. And it's so hard sometimes we're like, we're like, okay, this bothers me and this bothers me, but then we're not able to put the puzzle they're pieces together. <laughs> yeah, they're not related. But at the end of the day, obviously, you know, your mom's passing is huge. Yeah. Also, all this other stuff is huge and the anxiety and things you dealt with aside from that, but then you blend them together and then it, it's one. Yeah. And so I think that... I think you know how to take care of yourself in understanding that you need to release mm-hmm. all of it. You're just not consciously aware it. of it. And it's interesting because I think we do that a lot, even physically, where we might have a symptom and we don't connect it to anything else that's going on. And doctors do that a lot. So this now is going to the yeah. other direction. But <laughs> doctors do that where they look at this part without looking at it as the sum of everything or a symptom that's connected to something else. Like, you know, quick story. My sister had uh, gallstones and her doctor gave her meds. And I was like, well, you know, there's certain things that that either contribute to to the making or the production of those gallstones. There's like coffee and meats and certain things. So, so if you take them out of your diet, see how well that works. And she's like, well, my doctor said it has nothing to do with what I'm eating. And I was like, but what you're eating is, are it's like the pieces that are then producing everything in your body. Like it's fueling you. It's like repairing, like if you're eating the right things, it's like healing you. Like there's so many things that it's doing that of course it's what you're putting in your mouth. But a doctor who went to med school, like license is like, so I think we do that in every way. And I think part of it is avoidance. We don't want to face the hard things. We don't want to face the reality that, you know, if if I fix this, maybe I can heal that. Or because it's hard, it's hard work. Do you think you were avoidant in your life with things at all? I avoid difficult conversations, but that's something I'm learning to not do so much, and it takes me a little bit. Why do you do that? Because it's uncomfortable. Um, like it's for me, it's sometimes I don't know how to bring up the topic. I don't know, and it's something I've learned in marriage. That, you know, it's hard to tell your partner something that's bothering you or it's hard to bring up things that might affect them in a certain way. Um, And I'm very lucky that my partner is very, very patient, is very understanding and has always told me like, tell me whatever it is that bothers you and we'll work on it. Mm -hmm. And I'm lucky in that sense because I know not a lot of people are willing to like hear things Mm -hmm. or improve themselves based on your feedback. (laughs) But I think that's one thing I, I feel like I've also avoided. And this is something that I've been noticing since your little butt has been here. Uh-oh. That I think I've been avoiding. This is a thought that I had today. That I was like, there's a reason why I'm not getting or I'm not like at the place that I want to be. And of course, yes, it's part of the journey or whatever. But I think there's avoidance in that. I think there's avoiding greatness. I think there's avoiding like my perfect body because then what? Then like, what do I do then? You know, and I know you've posted about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're about to hate me because this is getting very good. But Nike's daycare closes at seven. Oh no. (laughs) You better go. 
Okay. Natalie's back from picking up her puppy. Oh my gosh. That you just literally abandoned. I almost Nike. really was not going to pick him up, unfortunately. And he was going to have to spend the night in... Thank you for prioritizing me and our well, conversation. You know, you know, our child comes first. My child comes first. Um, wait. So as you walked in the door, I read this to you and it was hilarious. So I just saw <laughs> create the love on Instagram. Wait, but I have to say, as I walk in the door, you read this to me as if you're like professing your love to me. I mean, I am. Yeah, okay. I so. would marry... I I would turn for you. Would you really? Girl, Don't for say sure. That to me. You are have, Wait, hot. hold on. Hold I, on. No one's seen your ass the way okay. I have. <laughs> except for Edgar. <laughs> I've well, seen your wait. ass in tight dresses yes, on television. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another... There's so many things that we can talk about here. Like the way that you feel you have to dress when you're on TV. Oh my God. Wait, we'll get to that in a yeah. second. Hold on. I want to read this. Yes. This is so yes. good. Because then your response was epic. Yeah. Okay. Create the love on Instagram. If you guys aren't following him, he is unbelievable. This is what he posts. Their wedding vows. I date you so hard. Then marry the shit out of you. Then raise the fuck out of your kids and give you all the motherfucking love and support. I'll eat the fuck out of your homemade cookies. Buy a fucking minivan to pile all our, all our beautiful ass children in and drive the fuck out of it. Holding each other's hands so hard that we'll shit ourselves. We'll grow so damn old together. We'll look like raisins. And all I could think about, I got, I got stuck on one line of that whole thing, which was, I will eat the F out of your homemade cookies. And you thought. And I literally thought before you said homemade cookies, I thought I was going to say, I'll eat the F out of your vagina. <laughs> Which would have made for better vows, personally speaking. Except for Except, them, you followed that up with. Well, yeah, it would have been good for somebody who likes that. But I I feel like, you know, it's nice, but I don't know that I particularly enjoy getting eaten out. Can we talk about that? Because that's disturbing to me. You like it? Um, It's my favorite thing in the whole world. Really? Yeah. Aside from actual sex. Yeah. <laughs> so that's very interesting. And it's not, you know... I think what happens, and this is going back to the talk that we had about when you're in your head about certain things. Mm -hmm. I think what happens is that I start thinking of like what it must be like for him to be there. Awesome. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, how, like, why would this be like, why would this be good for him? Okay, but do you not like to give oral sex? Oh, I do very much so. Okay, then girl, what are you talking about? But I don't It's like, the same thing, just well, a different body part. No, I feel it's different. Why? I mean, I keep it clean. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's not like it's like, you know, fresh fish down there either. <laughs> it's not like I spent a week on a on a ship fishing. But I keep it clean. <laughs> Only you could I have this conversation with. <laughs> really? I don't know many of my friends that I I have gone this oh, far. Maybe my actually my other girlfriend Natalie and I talk like See, this. See, it's a Natalie, but she thing. refuses to come on the show. Her so. name is Natalie. Your name is Natalie. Natalie. Paleo thing. Collective. Oh, it's a Natalie. Thing, yeah, for sure. This is my girl. Um, Wait, why don't you like I it? I want to meet all your friends. Come okay? to LA. I'll you plan have... a whole dinner for you. Okay, because you have like you always post about really cool people, and I'm like. Must be nice. My homies are awesome. Must be nice that I get fat fudge and that people bake <laughs> paleo, gluten-free, dairy-free, vegan, non-flour like stuff for me. I know. I'm such an ass. I'm Gosh. sorry. We were talking about this when I showed up yesterday. Stop and showing you were like, off. I know. Okay. You're like, dude, you got to get all these practitioners in every part, in of, every the part of the country. You can't just have I'll all your you. healers in LA. It's because Well, we have selfishly. something to talk about after this, yes. I have thoughts for you. Well, selfishly, I was thinking, what if oh, I... Will he eat my earrings? He will not eat your earrings. Okay. But you know, I'll take you might away. want to. Okay. 
you need to get ready for childproofing your house. I know. This is good practice. My ovaries are exploding. They're ready. Okay, wait, back to your vagina. But mine specifically. Yeah. So yeah, it's not like it's My vagina like, is happy. I like it. Well, you. mine doesn't smell like an aquarium or anything <laughs> is what I'm saying. But I feel like bad for him. Have it's, you ever had an experience where a guy was like, ew, your vagina is gross? No. Oh okay. my God. So then where do you think that that comes from? I don't know. I just, I think I overthink it is the problem. So that I, it takes me out of the experience. Like, of course, it feels good. It feels nice. Yeah. And all, but I think mentally what's going on in my head takes me out of the experience. And mm. I'm like, you know what? Just come up here and let's do something different. <laughs> well, but what we were talking about earlier is that only 20% of women can have an orgasm just from sex alone. Yeah. And so I think this is something that happens for us. Mm-hmm. Those of us with vaginas is that we get to a point. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take him out so no. you can go potty? That's <laughs> fine. This is. Like, I'll pause again for no, you. No, no, no. This is good. This is like being a mom. See, I know. I'm happy to. No, play. you're good. Is that we don't get the satisfaction and the experience that men have because it's obviously easier for them mm-hmm. usually to have pleasure in sex right. and have an orgasm, whereas we oftentimes we'll have to work a lot harder for it or they have to work harder for us for it. Well, yeah, I think there's a whole warming up aspect. Yeah. There's a whole warming up aspect. Do you like foreplay? Yeah, Okay. of course. Okay. Why? Because now you're looking at me like I'm from some other planet. (laughs) You are. I've never met someone that didn't like like that. Like I'm E.T. I I see the look in your eye. (laughs) You're looking at me like there's something wrong with me. Don't judge me. There's nothing wrong with you and I would never... You're like one of the few people I wouldn't judge. (laughs) I'm going to have a show. I'm going to have a show called Don't Judge Me, KT. Yes. And it's all about things that I feel you would judge me on. <laughs> like you can eat now. <laughs> yeah, like that'll be the first episode. Episode one. This is so far <laughs> off brand for me, by the way. This is not something I talk about on the show. This no, is this hilarious is that you and I are doing this. So can I tell you, ceremony wellness. Yeah. Wellness also includes sex. It does. It does. Which I'm so glad. You know, I was telling you, but I want to have the shameless sex girls on my yes, show. Because I'm not a sex expert. So I, it's so funny Clearly. That, we're, that we're talking about <laughs> sex experts like somebody eating out their vagina. Um, but it's, so it's interesting that this is even... Wait, did, is it, did you have this planned? Did you? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but you and I are so comfortable with each other. Actually, you know what's really funny is I do so many of my interviews on Zoom now, like over yeah. the phone. And I started out doing them all in person and videoing them. And I love that so much more for obvious reasons, given what we've done. But like now they're over the phone. You can't have this kind of conversation with people over the phone. Like it's not going to happen. Plus I'm drinking wine right now. Like I'm not going to do that. And also you cannot see your reactions and your judgment face (laughs) when I say things, which makes it all more interesting. I just want to make sure he didn't push records. No, stop. I don't think so. This is interesting. Okay. Okay. I don't know where to go from here on that. Wait. So we, I'm a sex expert. Is okay. where we were at. Yeah. That I know all there is to know and I can teach you. I'm just kidding. No. That's obviously not where we teach were Teach me. Do oh you, you want to teach me now? No. Okay. Hold is that on. why you asked me to stay with you this weekend? No. Did you feel me? Edgar's not here. Did you feel me? Did you me? send him away? Did you feel me sneak into your room last night? Um, no. But this makes me think of something that's even more off topic. Okay. And it's Game of Thrones. Do you watch this? No, but he okay. does. And all he does is talk about it because apparently the new season is launching. The last season is launching Sunday and I don't know anything about it. Can I tell you something? Tell me. 
I don't care. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> but let me tell you why. So I've never, I had never seen an episode. I heard everybody, I saw everybody talking about it, social media. Everybody's like, oh yes, whatever. And I thought it must be the best show on freaking HBO. Yeah. Whatever. It must be the best show in the universe. So Edgar starts getting into it and he's like, maybe we should start watching it. Okay, cool. Watch the first episode. I don't understand. I don't understand why people love it so much. I'm probably going to... People are going to start sending me like DMs. Not as from the show. I guarantee okay. you no, none of my listeners okay. will watch this. Good. Because all I feel it is, is like... It's, it's kind of like porn. Mm. Because there's a lot of people having sex all the time. And usually the girl is like being forced to, which is horrible. And then... So I, I don't understand. Like, I really don't get it. And then like little kids are, you know, people attempt against the life of little kids. And like, it's just a very weird show. And I don't understand. But the reason that I thought about it is because <laughs> I know you see, this is the judgment phase. Uh, no, again. That was not the judgment phase. I'm just this curious where you're going to go. Because I thought about it because you said something and I can't remember what it was. Because <laughs> I'm so busy judging you. No, but you said something. What did you say right before I said Game of Thrones? I don't know. Is it the wine that is making you Probably. not remember? <laughs> <laughs> there was a reason why I thought about this. You'll remember. And I think it had to do with the whole sex thing because it's a show with a lot of sex in it. Have you seen Handmaid's Tale? No. Is that a lot of sex too? Yeah, but the premise... Do you know the premise at all? The premise of Handmaid's Tale is it's basically these... It's like this weird place where the women can... The wives can no longer get pregnant. And so they have these handmaids that every family has and they rotate through and the... They basically rape these handmaids while... So the handmaids are laying on the bed, being held by the wife. And the husband is having sex with the handmaid, but looking in the eyes of the wife. So that makes it okay. Yes. And it's it's horrific. I love the show because it's it's crazy. It's like a thriller almost. But it is, it is wild. That and is... it's very triggering. For sure. Anyone that has experienced any sort of sexual right. assault will be so triggered by this show. So it's triggering. So I imagine that's what you're feeling that's with Game I of felt. Thrones. Yeah, yeah. That's how I felt with that where I like one of the scenes that I saw, like this girl's literally like crying and they're like doggy style or whatever. And all you see is like the camera on her face and you're just like, this is so wrong. It's so uncomfortable. Mm. And then, but you know, it's it's doing very well. The show's doing very well. I don't know. This was just like the first episode. So they say. So they say. Is it really? I don't <laughs> I know. So. I guess you know. You can ask. You, yeah, I'll you ask. know who you can ask. Yeah, you you know somebody. Your guy that, and my guy both yeah, know. I was gonna say your guy. They can just hang out together. Yeah, I don't. I really don't understand the thing, but I know I'm gonna hear this. I'm gonna hear this back, and then I'm gonna remember why I brought it up. It's okay because right now it seems like there was no point, but that's okay. <laughs> There's been plenty of points There's during this points. whole episode. Yeah. We have not talked about our past lives in television together. Oh, I thought you meant like real past lives. Do you know I about did... your past lives? Well, no, but when I had my spiritual healing, I, I've had two experiences where I've kind of felt something that the only thing I can attribute it to is a past life is once I, I had a Reiki session where I saw in, uh, in my mind's eye, like I saw myself very short hair, wife beater on underwear, which I don't even know if people wear wife beaters, but I could tell I was a drug addict. And I like, I had, there was this guy on the bed and you could tell it was like, I felt it was like noon and we were lying in bed and he just like shoved me off of the bed. And I felt it was kind of like him telling me to like, go get more drugs. Mm -hmm. It was a very quick glimpse of it. 
But I, it's so weird how, and I know you, you probably know this from your spiritual um, sessions that even in a glimpse, you understand so much mm-hmm. because especially if it was a past life where you were, you lived it. Yes. So you know everything. So in that like quick second that I saw that, like I understood what that was. So the only thing I can think of was that that was a past life. Although somebody told me, and this is kind of along the lines where you said that it's kind of like the same plane where mm-hmm. it's like a past, present and future all taking place. Mm-hmm. This woman told me where I had told her that I thought it was a past life. And she said, well, have you thought about... And this was, she was like a psychic and she, she did some other readings, but she said, have you ever thought about the fact that it could be a parallel life? is what she called yes, it. parallel. A parallel mm-hmm. life. She said, because think about this, your soul is so expansive. It's so huge. How can it only be giving life to one person? Yes. And I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. mind blown. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing. And then the other thing I experienced was where my uh, spiritual healer that I work with, she's amazing, told me that my panic and my fear of death could be associated to a past life where my life was taken and I wasn't ready. Mm. So that to me was very powerful because she said, yeah, this panic that you have, it's almost like, I'm not ready. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave because in the past life, your life was taken from you and you weren't ready. Damn. That's so good. Did that resonate with you? Um, I felt it definitely. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of struck a chord. I want to explore that more. I want to do some past life regressions. You need come to LA. Come stay with me. We'll have a dinner with all my friends. You'll go see your rune. He's my past life regressionist. You get hypnotized. Can we do a weekend women's retreat? Yeah, done. Okay. Also, you have to come to my event in October. Yes. October 5th. Girl, I know. Mm -hmm. I know this stuff. That's what's up. I'm actually bummed that I didn't go to your other one. But it is is hard living in another state and like wishing you could be... Because I know so many things happen in LA. Yeah. And it's hard to want to go to everything to want to go to everything and not be able to. I think that that is the beauty of what we're doing in October is that I'm bringing together so many people in one day so that you feel like it's worth a trip. Oh, right, right, right. Because Gather was just a three-hour event. So I think a lot of people wanted to come, but it was hard to just like come for three hours. They wanted more. Right. So past life, TV life for both of us, which is how we met. Our legit past, like our real... Our current past life. Do you even remember? Like, it's so funny to me. Sometimes I feel, and this is how I know I'm very much in like a different world because a lot of times I look at my past and I feel like it was almost like a different life. I, yeah. I mean, I just, I quit exactly a year ago and it feels... Exactly a year ago. I mean, it was like, yeah, end of March. 2017. How are we celebrating? How are we celebrating? I mean, I'm here with you right now. I'm this celebrating. Is pretty huge. We're going to Takaya. We're going. We're gonna. Yeah, I want dessert tonight. I'm just throwing Let's that out there. Let's do it. I'm in. Coming from television, you were with Deportes, mm-hmm. my little Spanish speaker. Yes. And I was on the English side. Obviously, I'm a wannabe Mexican that can't speak Spanish. <laughs> I'll teach you. Qué quieres aprender? So I I was fluent. And then my grandmother passed away. Mm. My abuela. You were fluent. Really? I was fluent. It's so crazy how quickly you can lose it. Because so fast. yeah. She's I, the only person I talked to. Yep. 
My mom doesn't speak Spanish. I think that if I didn't work in Spanish media, it would be way easier for me to lose it for sure. Was because... Spanish your first language? Yes. Okay. So it was my first language. And then when you go to school, especially, I, I don't know if you had this experience living in the States, it's kind of sometimes, depending on where you grew up, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes to speak Spanish, especially yeah. like, you know, I feel like there was, there's always been so much going on about like being Latino, being Mexican. And now like it's this whole movement of like, let's be proud of it. Yeah. I've always been proud of it. But I think when I was a kid, sometimes I was embarrassed to speak Spanish. Mm. And then I really owned it. And then I was even more proud of it. But anyway, I, when I went to college, I went to uh, Loyola Marymount. So it's predominantly white school. I lived on campus. And I realized how quickly... And mind you, I mean, that's four years. I very quickly lost it. I felt like... So then when I was done and I, like, obviously I would see my parents and stuff during that time, my family, but I wasn't speaking it every day. And I lost it very quickly. And then when I finished school and I ended up having the opportunity to work at an English radio station, that overnight flipped formats, which is very common for radio stations. And everybody got let go unless... Uh, um, the only people that got kept are the people that spoke Spanish. And so as much as I had lost it, I still spoke Spanish. And that was like my opportunity to build it up again, which I'm actually now grateful for. But but it's very easy to lose it. It is, yeah. No matter how long you've spoken it. Right. And I want my kids to speak Spanish. Like I've thought about, I want a Spanish-speaking nanny. I want mm -hmm. that in my home. It's important I'll be your to nanny. me. Please. I would love for you to be the nanny. Yeah. You could just bring your kids and like just what's hang like, out. What's the pay like? What are the benefits? I'll pay you good, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this is an interesting conversation to have because we were both going through this at the same time and we're similar age of being the quote-unquote talent we were talking about earlier. But the way you had to look, the way you had to dress, the way you had to interact and be a, a woman in a male-dominated industry on top of that sports, where these jobs that we had, that you and I had, are so highly coveted. Yet, if you're in them, you actually know they're fucking terrible jobs. Right. What was your experience like? Which part? Because I've been... Prior to working at, in uh, sports, I did... You know, I initially started working at Univision. Before that, it was at a radio station. So I've had different types of experiences, some better than others. But in terms of like... So more specifically, I guess I want to know, are you asking about my experience in terms of the pressure? My experience in terms of just all of, all it. of it? Yeah. All of it. Yeah. I loved it. I got addicted very quickly to like radio, TV. I loved the idea of it. And it's what you're saying where they're very coveted because of the idea of it. And it is very cool and it is very fun and you get to do something different all the time. I knew I knew from like very a very young age, I was not made for a nine to five job. I knew that like, I've always known that. I know that now. <laughs> but, and it was cool because it was always something different. It was always something exciting. But it, there definitely is a lot of pressure. I started to feel guilty the times that I felt like I was being ungrateful because I was not enjoying it as much as you would think I should be enjoying it because I don't like wearing heels. Really? I, I do not like wearing heels. I actually hate heels. It's just very uncomfortable for me. It doesn't help that I'm more like flat-footed yeah. and it actually hurts me. Mm -hmm. I If I could, I would be in yoga pants every day, all day my favorite thing to be. Um, but interestingly enough, I had, a, and I had a situation where when I was working at Univision, I was very offended because I used to work. I've, I moved my way up 
in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you didn't sleep your way to the top. I was going to say, yeah. You worked well. I, I worked my butt way. off. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was always very good at asking people like to teach me things, asking who I could intern for, asking people like to teach me their job, like if there was anything I could help with. Anyway, um, at one point when I was working at Univision, I was working production and I was getting there at like 4 or 5 a.m. And so I didn't see the need to wear heels and all this stuff because working in production, there was a lot of running around that I had to do, especially for our morning show. I'm like, I'm not going to be like running around in heels and like a skirt. No. So I would wear jeans and wear comfortable stuff. Wouldn't always wear makeup. And I had a woman actually tell me, call me out, call me to her office. And she wasn't my boss or anything. She was like my quote unquote, I guess, friend. (laughs) Called me to her office and she told me that I should... And I forget the exact words that she used, but I remember the gist of it, which was, you should wear makeup, you should dress up more, and you should look more presentable. Wow. And mind you, I wasn't going in pajamas. So it's not like I wasn't presentable. And I was always behind the scenes. So if there was a day where we were going to do something with clients or whatever, it was like a bigger deal, of course. But when I didn't have to, and when I'm there at like three, four in the morning... But I just found it so interesting because it was this older woman telling me that I should... She's like, why don't you wear makeup? Or why don't you do this? I was super offended. Super offended at the time. And at the time, I was not doing on-air stuff yet. And shortly thereafter, they started putting me on air. So in LA, we had... you know, And and you know this. Now that I work in this market in Arizona... It's very different. So in LA, you have makeup artists and you have people that do your hair and it's amazing. Here, they don't they don't have that shit. <laughs> Here, it's like you do your own makeup, you do your own hair. But in LA, because now I'm on the show and flash forward after that conversation. So now she's seeing me dressed up for TV and wearing makeup. And she took pride thinking that she was the one. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, oh, see, Ugh. I'm glad... I'm glad that that conversation like had an impact on you. And I was like, no, this was just my goal. My goal was always to be in front of the camera. Yeah. And if that's what I was going to have to do to do it, like if I had to wear makeup and dress the part, okay, like I wanted to do it. But she somehow thought that she had an impact on me. And actually, I think it's silly because when I was very young, I got bullied for my weight by my peers, but I also got bullied by an adult about my weight. I was like 15. I started working at the local junior high in the dean's office and the dean came out one day and he's like, hey, uh, Natalie, what, you know, you're a smart girl. What do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to be an actress because at the uh, since I was five, I've been wanting to be I on TV. I so see that. And a telenovela. And a telenovela, yes. Yeah. But again, telenovelas, boobs out, high yeah. heels. Right. Who... Who is just at home wearing makeup, high heels? Like, they're not yeah. realistic people. But also, I feel like in a telenovela, you get to make out with like a super sexy Latin man. Like, yeah, that's you should have signed up for that instead of Lakers. It was way more beneficial. Well, <laughs> he, here was my problem. Okay, now we see where, where the way your mind works. I mean, at least you would have gotten more <laughs> right. out of it. <laughs> but see, that was my problem. I was like, if I want to have a family at some point, how uncomfortable. Right. To have to go make out. I mean, to have Sorry, to, Edgar. To have to go make I out with the hot guy. I have to go make out with Mark Consuelos. And then, yeah. And then come home and be like, well, that was a tough day of work. Yeah. What'd you do today, babe? My mouth is so dry after all that <laughs> saliva I've been, I've been using. And then, I mean, imagine how uncomfortable then he asked. So was it like French kissing or was yeah. it like... I mean, it's very awkward. Anyway, so I told this, this man, I said, <laughs> I want to be an actress. 
And he said, an actress? He said, well, no, 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 no. He said, first of all, you're going to have to lose like 30 pounds or more. <gasps> he said, and I was, I was a chunky kid. And so he's like, you're gonna have to lose like 30 pounds or more. He's like, and in order to do that, you're probably gonna have to pick up a nasty habit like smoking because, you know, all these actresses and models, like that's what they do to to um, to not get hungry. He said, and then, and, and then you're gonna have to sleep with people. He's like, you don't wanna do that. You're too smart for that, you know? And so when he's saying this to me, it's like, first of all, I got stuck on the, I have to lose 30 pounds or more. I don't care about the rest of the stuff because I was like, I don't care for smoking and I'm not going to sleep with anybody. But the weight thing really stuck to me. And what that translated into was, I'm going to prove to you that I could get on TV and it doesn't matter what you look like. But it's very interesting because there is a fine line that and then once you're in that world, of course you become consumed by what you look like. But my goal was always to defy that. My goal has always been to like, I'm going to be me and prove to yourself that me being me, I can achieve the things that I want to achieve. And I think I've always just been that way because my thought has never been like, oh, let me curl up and like cry about it. It's been like, let me prove you wrong about it. So that was kind of a motor for me that just propelled me into that. And I just always kept that in the back of my mind. But now getting into that world and now experiencing it on so many in so many different ways where now this woman is like, oh, see, I'm glad that you stepped it up and now you look like a, a lady, like yeah. you look right. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Because I still don't like makeup. I wear it because they, you know, and I love Alicia Keys. Because, right? Yeah, because oh she God. did this whole thing so of good. like the no makeup and all mm-hmm. this. But you also have to understand that when you're in this world, especially when the technology changed to have like HD cameras and it is very difficult to tell. And I used to always tell my makeup artist, please make it look as natural as possible. Like, I don't want you to cover up like this mole or, you know, I don't want lashes. And I've always stayed true to that. Like I've never, makeup artists hate me because they're like, what do you mean you don't want lashes? Because it's it's their job too. You know, Mm -hmm. their job is to make us look a certain way. I, yeah. So I've always told makeup artists, I want to look as natural as possible. Because I I also always had this idea in my head of like, what if I, on a weekend, I'm at the grocery store, not wearing makeup or whatever. Like, I don't want somebody to be able to somewhat like recognize me or whatever. And I know this is kind of dumb, but when you're in this world, you know, and to be like, oh my God, you look so different on camera. It's like, no, I still want it to be me. I still want people to like see me and know what I look like and not be like, oh my gosh, you look so different with makeup or you look so different without it or... Like, no, if you're going to have me on camera for me, it's going to be for me. And I get it that makeup is necessary because of the HD stuff, because at the end of the day, it's a business and it's an industry that requires that, whatever. But I was still going to do it on my terms. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there's always that that pressure. And when you're in it, there is the pressure to look a certain way. There is a... And I'll tell you, I've always, you know, going back to the idea that this weight thing has always been my biggest thing, something that I've thought about every day for as long as I can remember that a certain part of me was like, oh, when I'm on TV, that'll force me to stay in shape. Mm. So even then... Because dude, the camera adds 10 pounds. That is not a lie. Okay. And you know what? It's also like the angles and then it's just... The lighting and the shadows and... And I had... I actually used to have people tell me when they met me in person saying, oh, you look fatter on camera or you look thicker on camera. And I also think part of it doesn't help is that Latinos have no filter. Yeah. 
I feel like they really just tell you, especially like older Latina women, they're like, ay, mija, te ves gorda en la tele. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, thanks. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> yeah. That's but like, that, oh, you're not that fat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're Good not job. that fat in person. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. I'm like, thanks. Uh-huh. But it does, it does get to you and it does affect you. And I'll tell you now, like even recently, I've had this struggle of like, we had a photo shoot at work not that long ago for our, our new headshots and stuff. And of course, this like sneaky thing that we talked about that once you deal with something, it's kind of always there. You just have to learn to manage it. And you can heal through it. Of course, you can heal through anything. But you have to... I, I feel like the universe also tests you. And it's like, let's see if you're really over that. Let's see if you're really over that. So I had this photo shoot. And of course, the first thing in my mind was like, I've gained weight. It happens with Instagram too, where I'm like, should I post a picture? Because here I talk about like how I help women do all this stuff and like reclaim their energy and like love themselves and like all this stuff. And I'm like, but I'm not super comfortable because this is not, this is a different body, you know, and I'm not super comfortable. So so it's very interesting that all of those things still stick and they're so much more prominent in that world of TV. So there's a lot of pressure. Something Natalie and I have talked a lot about over the last year or so is detoxing our products. And she has been on her healing journey as we're talking about in this episode. And she has utilized a lot of the resources that we give so that she can detox her products and her beauty routine, especially someone who's on TV and hosting and doing all of these very public jobs. She's wearing makeup all the time. And how do you do those things and have efficient, really high quality products but not harm your body. My answer for that is Beauty Counter. I love Beauty Counter. I've talked about them quite a bit on this show. And I love them because they are such beautiful products. They work so well. They give you incredible coverage and they are as clean as they come on the market. So if you go to kellytenant.com slash shop, you can specifically find my whole selection of Beauty Counter choices. And there are a ton more when you go to the site that are for babies, are for men, mascara, body cleansing, charcoal bars, like the whole nine, we have it all for you. Don't forget to go to kellytenant.com slash shop to check out Beauty Counter. I want to get into what you're doing now as I lose my earrings in your couch. Really awesome. But before we get to that, we had a conversation last night that I think is really important to have about how women treat each other. Especially in an industry where it is so competitive and you're fighting so hard for a limited amount of jobs. Not that you need to throw anyone under the bus right now, but I would just like your perspective of what that was like for you dealing with older women who were trying to basically get you fired and crush you. It, It is very stressful and it sucked to have that experience because... I have always... And we did an Instagram live where we talked about this because you asked me where I got it from to actually always be kind to women and to help women out. Because I've always believed in like supporting each other and you know just being kind to all people. I just don't understand anything else. But so for me, I've always wanted to be everybody's best friend. And I'm, I'm very naive in that sense because I don't ever think that someone's going to be mean to me until they are. <laughs> Uh, So when I was working in television, I was working for a morning show. And originally I was hired to do a very specific job. 
And that specific job was to do segments with within the show that had to do with clients. So these were paid segments. And our, our uh, anchors could not do them because when you're a journalist or when you do news, you cannot be invested. You cannot endorse any client. You cannot have a bias or you know be paid to do anything for, for a client. So therefore, they needed somebody who was not a news anchor to do it. So they hired me. What they didn't realize is that they weren't going to have these segments every day. So the production team had to figure out what to do with me because I'm on the show full time. So they started having me do, you know, go out on the street and do like entertainment stories, do, you know, I've, I've gotten to do amazing things and I'm so grateful. Like I've been able to interview Harrison Ford. I've interviewed like Stop. Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah, absolutely. <gasps> yeah. I love her. Yep. She was sick that day, poor thing, but she's, she's very sweet. But she was, you oh. could tell she was kind of like, um, but I've gotten the chance to interview like artists, celebrities, actors, whatever. And part of that was because they had to start to find stuff for me to do. And prior to that, I worked on another entertainment show. So the hosts on this show started to notice like I was getting more airtime. And so they started to complain about it in meeting. And mind you, I was one of four women on this show. I was the youngest one. I was the one that had arrived the most recently. I was the one that had not, didn't have the accolades that they did. I didn't have the journalism degree that they did. I studied communications. I went to, I had a college degree, but the way that I've done things, and I, that's where I relate to you, it's that the way that I've done things has always been the way that I wanted to do them. And it's never been the way that, you know, the the path that people say you have to take. Um, so people think it's very interesting that I don't have a journalism degree and yet I covered breaking news on the street once. Like they threw me in. The, and, and part of it is because it, I've always had the mentality, it's like sink or swim. If they throw you in there, you do it to the best of your ability and you just do it. So um, I started having more airtime. And of course, these seasoned like professional women are all of a sudden like, wait a second, that's not what she was hired for. And they made it very well known that that's how they felt. They told the producers, hey, that's not what she was hired for. Why is she on camera more minutes? Like they actually counted the minutes that I, my face was on camera in comparison to the amount of time their face was on camera. And I was like, have the show. Because my thought was, if we all do well, if we all work together, guess what? The show stays on air and we all have a job. Yeah. Like what is so hard to understand about that instead of tearing each other down? So anyhow, I had moments where in the in the dressing room, in the makeup room, my shoes would, they would knock my shoes on the floor. I had moments where uh, they, somebody would hit me with the door on purpose and then pretend they didn't see me, but it was obvious. I, like it was just obvious. I had uh, moments where a specific person would completely ignore me. And actually this specific person would also make me, try to make me look bad on air because even though I'm fluent in Spanish, there's different levels of Spanish. There is like, how do you, how do you say? Like when you are a news anchor and you are trying to sound professional and you use very proper words, it's very different than like my bilingual Spanglish, you know? Mm -hmm. But obviously there's a reason why I'm on air. If not, the producer would have pulled me. Yeah. I mean, it's not my decision. And if they put me on air, I'm going to do my job the best possible. But sometimes, of course, I would make mistakes and say dumb stuff or say something that didn't make we sense or, yeah. or say the wrong word or whatever. And if it was like a toss where it was like the camera was on me and all of a sudden her segment was next where I would be like, oh, let's go to so-and-so now. And it was right after I had said something, she would, you know, take the camera and be like, well, actually, <laughs> and then correct me on air. Stop. Yeah, yeah. 
And it was very obvious. <gasps> but the interesting thing, and this is why, you know, this is, I, I never let it affect me to that point. I did make it known that it wasn't okay. And I started to track and take note and put dates and times of when these things would happen. The reason for it was because it started to get physical in the sense of like tossing my stuff, hitting me with the door. Like, and that was not okay because it's, you know, I I just, I wanted to have evidence in case they tried to say something that I did because I could tell that's where it was going. Where it's like, they would, in meetings where I would be in the meeting, they would say, why did Natalie get this interview? And the producers would tell them because we decided to give it to her. I mean, what other answer yeah, do you want? Shut up. You're not in charge. Yeah. So, and the producers would notice when this per- this other person would try to make me look bad on air, they would have conversations with her. HR was involved at one point. And it got to a point where it was three against one. It was three against one in many ways. When I got engaged, actually, the producers, one of the girls on the show decided to mention it on air which I wasn't, I hadn't even agreed to it or anything, but I had just, we had just come back from Thanksgiving break. She's like, oh, and you know, Natalie has great news. And I was like, and we're live. So obviously I have to say it. And because it was such a rush, the next day, the producers decided to put pictures of the engagement and make it like a thing. Then it became an issue of like, why did we talk about my engagement for two days? Oh, geez. And, And it's so silly. Like all of these things where it's like, why must you try to pick apart somebody when all they're doing is their job. It just made no sense. So, you know, I had I had that experience. And then what ended up happening is that the director, the news director kept getting complaints and kept getting complaints because you have this girl who I've, I've worked my butt off and I deserve to be there. And I know that and nobody can ever make me feel like I didn't deserve to be there. But for some reason, because they hadn't seen the behind the scenes of how I got there, they thought I didn't have a reason to be there, that I didn't have as much experience as they did. And so they used that against me constantly with the news director. And so eventually when budget cuts came... <laughs> Bye. Yeah, I guess... I mean, guess who's going to go? The the one that's Bye, like... a pretty new girl. Yeah, exactly. So, and I mean, yeah, I was, I was younger. I, And I will say that energy is read even across TV screens. And people like me because I'm I'm very down to earth. You are. You're relatable. You're kind. You're welcoming. And I yeah. love people. And mm-hmm. I, I don't care if I said a word wrong or not. Like relatable and People kindness. like that yeah. though. Because you're not trying to be perfect. Right. You're just showing up in the right way. Yeah. And I feel like kindness and authenticity <sighs> wins every time. I think for me with the two women that were horrific to me, I got... And I was telling you this last night. I got to a point where I realized wow, I'm so sorry for you that your life is so bad and Mm. your whole being and your experience has been so bad that you're that insecure that you now have to try and ruin someone else's life. Yep. I, I really found empathy and compassion. I was like, wow, that's so sad that you hate yourself so much. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to get there because I was, you know, they were saying so many horrible things about me. And I read the text messages they sent. And I know that they got called in to be with the bosses. And I know all these things that had happened. And it took me to to quit my job and no longer be there Mm -hmm. to look back and be like, damn, that's really sad. I feel for them. And 
so much compassion and forgiveness. So I don't hold it against them anymore. But when you're in it, I'm being ignored. I'm not being talked to. I'm trying to be fired. I'm being thrown under the bus. I'm being... It's, you know, I'm stupid. I ask dumb questions. I'm a whore. I'm sleeping with people. Like all these things. And it's like, you think as like this younger woman, I'm 10 years younger than both of the people that were doing this to me. And I'm thinking, hmm, you would think they would want to help. You would think that they would have been in this job for so long, having been treated like shit from other men, having been with the executives that do these things to you or make you feel bad or not good enough, having been criticized on TV, they would be like, girl, I got you. Mm-hmm. That's how you and I are. Yeah. Like take you under, the, under yeah. their wing. I take everyone under my wing. I'm like, how can I help you? Don't do this. Don't do that. This is your person. This is where you're safe, whatever. And there was none of that. And I was like, so I was just sad and I, I felt defeated and I felt like I had done something wrong. And I just realized finally that it was just because I was attractive and I was young and I was getting attention. And it really had nothing to do with me. It was mm-hmm. all about them. That shift was so important. Yep. But getting there is painful. Yeah. And it makes you defensive. It makes you feel like you have to go to work with your guard up. Yes. And like you're waiting for the next time they're going to do something. But you know, it is powerful to to have that compassion and to have that understanding because I then learned that the main person that was the meanest to me, um, her husband, who was a chef or something like that, his restaurant had closed down. So... And she was older and she had been doing this job for well over 10, 15 years. Well over that. Very, you know, had many awards, like many journalism awards, whatever, like Emmys and all this stuff. And then to realize that maybe, you know, especially the way that TV is going and you do know that as an industry, unfortunately, they do want younger people, you know, that that is another part of why I wanted to not be in this world because then it makes you focus on your age, how you look like all these things. So this woman, older, maybe on her way out of her career, her husband's restaurant shut down, kids at home, one of her kids has autism. And this is not to like judge her, criticize her or whatever, but I started to realize how much pain, how many pain points she had in her life to where, guess what? Like now you have this younger person who's who's good at their job and who does her job well and is is capable of doing whatever they throw her into. And it is threatening because now you think, well, what if I lose my job? And I, right now I'm the sole provider because my husband doesn't have... So when you start to look at things from that perspective, it's like, wow, it is not about me. She has her, a whole other world of problems that I can't even imagine. And then you do start to feel bad for people. And it's not from like a, I'm better than you, I pity you, point at all. No. At all. It's just an understanding. It's just right. It's just this comprehension of... And I mean, I, you can see this at any age, even when you're being, you're a kid, or you're junior high, high school, the person who's being mean to you is probably dealing with some heavy stuff at home. Is probably dealing with some heavy stuff internally, mentally, emotionally, you know, has probably been through some trauma because there's no way that somebody who is love would be that way to you. And one of the things that I ask my my clients to do is how would love respond? So I had one of my clients talk about how her relationship with her mom is a certain way. Um, 
my thought is always like, how would love respond? Because it's easy to love people when they're easy to love. But when you're able to get to that point of, well, how would unconditional love look like right now? How would like, if you, you know, in depending on if you believe in God or spirit or whatever, how would like the unwavering love of consciousness, spirit, God, like look like right now? And how would that look like coming through me? Because that, I mean, ultimately that is where we're vessels. So you're working with clients now. Yes. You do the radio day job. Do the radio. The, you moonlight as a radio host. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> but you have taken on clients. Mm-hmm. You care so much about women's well-being mm-hmm. and health and mental health. Putting you on the spot. Mm-hmm. What did you do for women? So I'll read you my, my Instagram quote. I help women reclaim their energy and own their worth. And I'll explain what that means. And actually, Miss Kelly over here was a bit huge catalyst in me coming up with this. I help <laughs> We worked on this. Yeah, I helped yeah, yeah, statement yeah. so hard. By the way, if you need help in life, I mean, of course you can call me, but this girl right here <laughs> is something else, man. You have a really great way of like telling people their truths. And initially it might sting a little, mm. but then it's like, dang, she's right. Thank you. So dang, you're right. And I'm sorry. No, oh my God, no, do not apologize. You asked me last night about, have I always been this blunt? Yeah. I was like, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It takes a lot of energy to not say what you're thinking or feeling. Yeah. So to explain what that means is that initially, and this was just based on the things that I have been through because I've been through eating disorders. I think my entire life has been this journey to be a certain size and weight. And it's taken so much of my time, energy, mental space and everything that, a lot of the things I have done have even been somehow uh, woven into that. So one of the things that I decided to do was get certified in nutrition coaching, but rewind that. Before that, I I had a precancerous condition that I was diagnosed with. I, I didn't know, know did about you, this. Did you know this? No. Many years ago, I had a pre... I believe it was like, I want to say 2012-ish or even before that. I went to the doctor normal like checkup and some test results came back abnormal. They wanted to do further further testing, a biopsy and some other stuff. And they found some abnormal cells. And so, of course, you know, doctors, <laughs> doctors are very interesting and they freak you out because yeah. I get this call, you know, from this doctor and it was on a Friday. Of course. It was on a Friday at like noon. My This doctor was in Long Beach. I was in like the Culver City area. So on a Friday at noon, okay, you know how traffic is in LA. And so they call me and they're like, so we have your results. Um, When can you come in? Um, The doctor needs to see you. And I'm like, well, can't you just let me know um, what's going on here? No, we can't give results over the phone. So when can you come in? I'm like, well, if I don't go in today, that means I'm waiting till Monday. That means I'm spending all weekend stressing about what this could be. So can I come in today? Well, yeah, but we close at like four or five or whatever. So I went to my boss. I was like, I need to go. <laughs> this is the other thing about why, how I was not meant for like a nine to five. I hate the idea of having to tell someone or ask someone for you to leave to handle some stuff. Like that's a problem. Yeah. So anyway, at the time, 
I was talking about how I worked my way up. I was doing an office job at Univision and eventually worked my way up to the camera. But anyway, I was in the promotions and marketing department, went to my boss and I said, I need to go. I need to go get some test results. Luckily, he was like, sure. Drive, stressed as heck, down the 405, like traffic, and finally get there. And then she tells me that I have a precancerous situation happening to where... And I said, okay, well, what does that even mean? Because then then aren't we all precancerous? Yeah. And so what she said is that there were cell changes that weren't like abnormal enough to consider cancer, but that it was going in that direction, basically. And so that's super scary. So I'm like, well... And she said, here are the treatment options. So she... But cancer is where? Um, so it was... Um, cervical dis- cervical dysplasia, oh. and it was precancer cells. So I I forget uh, like like cerv- like HPV like cervical yeah. cancer. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Got it. So and of course I had no idea. Like never had an abnormal test like ever. So I'm freaking out trying to figure out how the heck this could even happen. Like what it means. All of these things are going through my head, and doctors are like, spent two minutes with you, gave me this result. And so she didn't even have time to answer all my questions. So this leaves me going to Google. Of course. Trying to figure out and like finding out if I'm going to die because that's what you think, right? So all I asked her, because that's all she had time for was how long does it take before it becomes cancer? If it becomes cancer. And she said it could take anywhere from like a couple years to 10 years. And maybe it doesn't become cancer. I'm like, what the well, hell? That, yeah. I'm like, well, that doesn't like, what does that mean? But I felt a very, very strong feeling. And this is where where you have to be your own advocate. And this is everything that Ceremony Wellness is about. That I had a very, very strong feeling that I did not want to treat it the way that she wanted to. So she was talking about uh, using liquid nitrogen to freeze the cells and they I end up going up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then eventually she's like, well, once that happens, if it doesn't kill off the cells, then we start cutting. And I was like, you're not cutting anything at all. (laughs) So um, I left there. And that weekend, I had an event that I had to go work for Univision. We were at this dinner with clients and with some of the salespeople. And I noticed this woman was not eating. One of our salespeople was not eating. She had like this smoothie. And I asked her... And it was that very night, which was very interesting to me that everything happens for a reason. But she was drinking a smoothie and I just asked her, I was like, hey, so are you not ordering dinner? Because the company's paying like what? And it was like a super nice restaurant. So I was like, uh, girl. And she said, no, actually I'm doing this cleanse uh, called Clean. Mm. Alejandro Junger. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar? Uh, semi. Yeah. So he's this cardiologist, wrote this book. He uh, Once he came to the United States to study medicine, his he started having all these symptoms, got very, very sick and realized it was the food because he's from Central America, I believe he like went around the world to try to figure out what's going on. And so what he discovered and according to this book is what he talks about is that, and this is something you know, your body is meant to heal itself. It just doesn't because it has so many toxins in the way it's like we, everything we eat, the air, the water, everything in our environment is toxic. So he said, once you start to remove the toxins that you give yourself an opportunity to heal. And I didn't think it was an accident that she was telling me about this at that time, the same day I had gotten this diagnosis. So immediately got the book, Power of Technology. I was like, cool, downloaded. <laughs> um, read it literally almost in one night and then decided immediately because I'm very, again, you and I are the same way. It's like, I do things, I just do them. I don't think about it. I don't. When I know I want something, I do it. 
So with this, I literally the next day started the cleanse that he talks about in the book. And it's like a 27-day cleanse. I went on it for like an extra week after that. But something very interesting happened during this time that I realized I was in a relationship I shouldn't have been in. I it was at a job I didn't want to be in because while I was with the company that I'm still with now, I wanted to be in front of the camera. And this office job was not doing it for me. I wasn't happy. And so a lot of other types of cleansing happened for me. And almost like without me even trying because the relationship, he ended up breaking up with me, thank God. That's a whole other story. But at the time I was, of course, devastated. I was like, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. I can't keep a man and all this other BS stuff that happens. But then eventually I realized I wasn't even supposed to be in that relationship anymore. Um, It had served its purpose and it was ready to move on. I was just not letting go, not releasing Mm -hmm. theme, Mm -hmm. theme of the day, Mm -hmm. theme of life, the job. I literally went and put my two week notice. I didn't have another job on the line, but I had savings and I didn't have kids. I didn't have responsibility. So I was like, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be now. Left the job and then started doing like meditation, taking myself out to eat, like all the self-care stuff, all the self-love stuff writing myself love notes, Valentine's Day would come around and I like would literally buy myself roses and a card that I would write out to myself, like all of the work that it takes to heal, you know, writing myself letters, like all of this stuff. And then eventually within every six months I was getting tested and when within a year, all my test results were normal with no treatment other than at the time I had done the whole cleanse, uh, the nutrition, my nutrition changed. And then I ended up going raw vegan for a while. I was eating plant-based. <laughs> so plants heal people, <laughs> plants heal. The meditation, the and it wasn't just that. It wasn't just that. It was everything. The toxic relationship, the toxic job, like all of these things fell away because you can eat all the broccoli that you want. And that's not going to heal you if you don't look within. After that, I thought I want to share this with women. Women need to know that they can take control of their health and happiness. So I went to IIN to get my health, uh, my holistic health coaching certification. And once I did that, it still became for me, which is very interesting about like, well, let me help women lose weight because that's such a big thing. I feel for like a lot of women is like the body image thing, but also like how to get healthy and all of that. And then I thought, then I got into CrossFit and all this stuff. And I got a nutrition coaching certification to kind of put the two and two together because I realized how many women were struggling. And I still had not found like the perfect diet for me Because I really believe that you can get to a point where your weight is not a struggle and you eat intuitively and your body tells you what it needs and managing your weight. Like there is an automatic mechanism that regulates your weight, but we have forgotten to check into that and we've gotten addicted to all these foods that we don't have that anymore. So anyhow, because I hadn't still, I hadn't found that for myself and I was still struggling. I was like, well, I'm going to help other women with this. Because as you and I have discussed, what we want to do in life is really for ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a bit of selfishness to wanting to help Completely. other women. Completely. But then what I what it has come to, man, I'm long winded. I love this. Are you kidding me? I'm so long winded. This is officially the longest episode I've ever done. So keep going. So this is fantastic. We've already broken the record. Oh, so we shoot. might as well just keep going. So anyway, now I'm now I'm at a point through my personal experience, things that I've encountered and all of this, where I want to combine all of it. And what I realized is that the moment that you, that a a woman, because I work with women only, that a woman tells you or asks you what she should be eating, 
she's giving away her power, especially as it really, like there's one thing to talk about healing. And you know a lot about this. And there's a lot of the stuff that you share because you've been on protocols. We talked about how I can't say that word because I'm Mexican. Yeah. Protocol, whatever. But there's like a, a dietary like health reason for that, whether you have an autoimmune issue, whether you have gut issues. And in that sense, I understand getting guidance. But when you're solely trying to change the way that your body looks by finding a diet, I don't think it's okay to to like put your power into somebody else. Other than like, if you're an athlete and you need your macros, if you're trying to, I get it, if you're trying to reach a certain goal. But if you have some sort of body image issue, that's not okay. And the reason it's not okay is because first you have to evaluate why you're trying to lose weight. And it's not until you fully accept yourself that by all means, I will help you with all the nutrition that you want. You cannot do that if you don't have the energy to do that. That's like the basic thing. So a lot of women try to make changes in their life and they try to change their diet and they try to do exercise and they try to change their mindset and all this stuff but they don't have the energy to do it because their energy is going to toxic relationships. They're not setting boundaries to a job that they hate, to their kids, to everybody else but themselves. So that's why the first part of what I do is reclaiming your energy. Where is your energy going that you don't have energy to create the results you want in your life? Whether it is physical, whether it is a job, whether it, whatever that it looks like for you. And then the second part of it is owning your worth because what part of anything makes you feel that your worth is in your body and how your body looks? So once we reclaim your energy, we figure out what your goals are and why those are your goals and break down the beliefs. And from a place of empowerment and from a place of love and from a place of you already being okay where you are, then we work on reaching your goals. That's so good. Can you tell us a little bit about No Girl Left Behind? Yes. I'm so proud of you for being a part of this. No Girl Left Behind is magical. No Girl Left Behind is an organization that empowers young... Well, specifically right now, young girls, but it's really for all women. It's um, empowering and uniting girls worldwide, globally. So the vision really came from my friend, Michelle Delamore and her sister, Charlotte Delamore. Shout out to them. Michelle is actually a singer songwriter, activist, and like all of these things. She, she was vegan since she was like two years old and would stand outside her grocery store. Stop. Like, yeah, yeah. She would pick it outside her grocery store when she was like five years old. It's very funny. And then her sister, who's a model and also like very invested in making the world a better place. And they realized the importance of, for all the reasons that you and I talked about, girl, like the cattiness and girls tearing each other down, they realized the importance of actually uniting girls and creating a different, like creating a shift to really change the world, essentially. So we started with younger girls because that's where I think you get them early and you create a shift there so that eventually like... When they're 30 and 40, they're not treating people like shit. Exactly. Exactly. So that they know that they are worthy and somebody else's worthiness does not diminish their own. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So we do these workshops for young girls. It started off with like five to 10 girls at a time. And now we do thousands and we're getting ready. We're gearing up for a nationwide tour as of September where we're going all across the States, like hitting huge venues feel like we pretty much already have everything planned out where like New York, California and a couple other states. Um, and the the idea is to, we have a whole workshop that we developed and it is for that purpose to empower girls to love themselves and each other. It's so good. Yeah. It's really magical. And we have online uh, programs as well. And every place that we've gone to, we've set up No Girl Left Behind clubs. So think about like your, you know, typical high school clubs, but this is not your typical club where it's all girls and we create the curriculum for it. 
But this is a way that we figured it's not just a workshop and we leave. It's a workshop and we leave a piece of it for them to manage and to keep that dynamic and that message going and actually to live it out. Because, you know, and even even at our age, like people go to workshops all the time and they don't stick to it. They don't apply it to their life. And that's why they think these things don't work. So the only way that it's going to work is if you actually apply it. And the way that we found for them to apply it is to have a club where they meet weekly. They have like activities that they have to fulfill. They get to be creative and come up with ways to unite girls. So it's really cool. So I have to tell you, I'm so proud of you. I have loved you since I met you. I think you are so special and you offer the world so many incredible gifts. And to watch your journey and everything that you've been through, the way you show up for other women, the way you cheerlead, the way you are selfless in that is so inspiring. And I am just so grateful for you. And I think that the work you're doing is really important. And I know that it feels hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I just want you to know that I am so proud of you for constantly putting in the work and the effort and being willing to go to those dark places for yourself in order to help other women get through that themselves. So I'm just, I just love you and I'm proud of you. And I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. You're so sweet. Thank you. I'm going to say thank you because it's not always easy to accept. Mm-hmm. And as a woman, you know, like it's, it's hard to accept, but I think that's part of the problem too, that we don't accept our greatness and we don't accept people talking us up. So thank you. I'm going to take it in. Good girl. I'm going to absorb it. I'm going <laughs> to accept it openly, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that that and more is what I feel about you. Thank you. And I didn't know all of these amazing things about you. And I'm actually kind of bummed that I didn't know as much about you and that now we've connected even more after uh, Sportsnet, but you are magical. You really are. Thank you. And I love what you're doing. And there's something very ridiculously almost like, I don't even know, like surreal about you in the sense of like, you know, you always hear people saying that they're going to do something, Mm. right? But you in a very short time, very short time, created like what feels like a movement. (laughs) And I hope you know how huge that is. Thank you. I'm very proud of you too. Thank you so much. Okay, love fest. Let's I love hug you. it out. I know. Let's spoon. <laughs> I love you Edgar's so much. not here. We can totally spoon. No, you want to be? You have to know. be big spoon because. Oh, I'm happy to be your big spoon, baby. The best part of this whole episode is that Nike, Natalie's dog, was running around like a crazy person for most of it. And it was so funny to watch her be a dog mommy while also have to answer questions and really keep her composure. She killed it. I'm so proud. Natalie is the best. And I'm just so happy that we are on this journey together and we have reconnected after our past lives and are now in this place where we can support each other and really help each other grow and challenge each other in some really cool ways. Don't forget to visit Natalie's social on Instagram to connect with her and send her some love for showing up in such a big way and being the magical unicorn that she is. We'll have another amazing conversation for you here on Ceremony Wellness in just a few days. And in the meantime, thank you so much for being here and we'll see you soon.